0: So oh, this is the last meeting of this formal retreat, <clears throat> and it's generally referred to as a monastic retreat, and that's a, a kind of committed monastic community. <clears throat> I've always very much appreciated these three month long winter retreats here in in England, because I don't think in Thailand I've ever had opportunities like this. So no, the irony is if people complain about the English winter and, you know, they, uh... Something wrong? Can you hear? <laughs> Complain about the English winter then. That's uh, my favorite time of the year. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, this uh, comes from reflecting on the life of a Samanath. So that you, uh, you know, the you're kind of transforming, you know, your lifestyle from uh, worldly life with the assumptions, expectations according to worldly values, and then into this very traditional form of someone not alms um, mendicant, dependent on the on the kindness of others, <clears throat> and so like going forth. The Bapacha ceremony means you're actually, you know, uh, taking the risk of going out into the unknown, where you're giving up your, you know, your right to hold and have money, private funds, property, and all the securities of of uh, the society that the lay people enjoy. the brahmacharya, uh, uh, living the life of uh, celibacy. So one can look at this very idealistically and kind of romanticize it in some kind of noble endeavor or one can criticize it as being utter foolishness One can, you know, you can see that the uh, people ask, "Well, do you, to be enlightened, do you have to do it? Become a samana?" I think, like. <clears throat> because I think we we uh, we easily intimidate the lay community, not with intention, but because it is very, you know, pronounced image uh, visually, the the, seminar, the Buddhist Samana, the shaven head, the robe, very strong uh, visual image, human form that has uh, relinquished uh, the worldly uh, aims and values. So one can see this almost as a threat, you know, a dangerous threat So sometimes the reactions are, you know, quite quite, uh, resentful or critical. And uh, if you want to, you can find all kinds of faults with it. (laughs) You know, it is only a convention. But then you have to, you know, if it's used properly, what is, how to use, this uh, this convention for enlightenment for seeing clearly for awareness so in in the in the conformity of the image you know the shaven head and the robe uh, the kind of stressing you know emphasizing one's individual qualities is uh, kind of diminished considerably so this uh this is this can be just another identity again i am a buddhist monk and one can cling to the ideals of the samana and personally be strongly you know identified with that but the point of it is to observe, to witness, desire, what ignorance is, desire, clinging to any condition whatsoever, whether subtle, of course, conventional, traditional, moral, whether going up the side of the positive, any kind of, uh, negative states one has. Because in a monastic life you can, you know, it's a love-hate relationship on a personal level. Sometimes you feel incredibly inspired and dedicated; other times you can't stand it. But the point is the awareness. And that's the uh, determination, you know, to bring attention to the way it is. You know, whatever state you're in, it's like this. It's a non-critical acceptance of the way it is in the present. So this isn't a cult of, you know, kind of, where we get together and we say, you know, reaffirm and say, and try to, you know, force and intimidate in order to support our our own kind of personal attachments to this. But if we do that, the point is to, you know, to be awakened to that, to what suffering is, the cause of suffering. So if used, you know, if used well, the 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 life. If you, you know, reflect on this samana tradition, you know, it's for it has it's since it has a, a strong image. It's quite clear what you know the vinaya and all these have quite you know give you a lot of precepts to use and and uh, then there's the Samanathanya reflections. Like to be contented with the idea of contentment, not demanding a lot, contented with the four requisites. Now the four requisites are (coughs) robes, alms food, shelter for the night, and medicine for illness. Now, there's a kind of basic allowances, rags for the robes or you know, it was the original allowance. If you can pick up what lay people throw out, say, kind of rag robe uh, style, but then the katina ceremony started, you know, where people would want to offer uh, high quality material and things like that. I mean, but, so the, the standard is put at the lowest possible level of, you know, like rags and alms food, <clears throat> shelter for one night, shelter, uh, root of a tree is considered the, the reflection. It doesn't mean you have to live at the root of a tree, wear rags and, and eat whatever someone drops into your alms bowl. But it is a, you know, it's a, it's to be reflected upon. So, uh, the, you know, the the uh, tendency then is to, you know, these aren't imperatives, in other words. The, the idea that you have to be content. Contentment doesn't come through commanding it. You know, as an ideal, I think everybody you know, everybody agrees we should be content, so there's no great disagreement on the ideal level. But contentment can only, you know, be realized through observing discontentment, recognizing, you know, the discontentment one is experiencing. I remember trying to force myself into, into the ideal, how I picked up the ideals of the life and suppressing my, you know, negative reactions to it, feeling guilty about it or or um, feeling I shouldn't feel that way. It's not right. So I've been on this retreat pointing out, you know, how... You know, we come from societies that are very idealistic. So we tend to grasp traditions, vinaya and all the rest, with kind of very fixed ideas and altruistic interpretations. But and so that doesn't lead to doesn't make the sum in the life very pleasant. You know, it's a because you'll never succeed in being, living up to uh, the highest standard, to the ideal standard on that personal level. But the, the, the uh, recognition of discontentment, of despair, of rebelliousness, of aversion I remember some monks uh, years ago, a few years ago at Amrabati were rebelling against a lot of this because they, uh, we have to be content and they always have to, you know, all this crap they keep shoving down our throats about, you know, strictness and vinaya and being content with the requisites and it just makes you feel, you know, rebellious because they're always preaching, you know, how you should be. And watch your mind, just be mindful, watch your mind, be content, and this kind of you know, using this commanding way. well, that is irritating. you know that is uh, it irritates me. <laughs> you know, so you, you you start seeing monastic life as just you know people on your back telling you how you should think and feel. It's like living in uh, a totalitarian state, isn't it? Big brother is watching you, telling you how you should think. Well, it, uh, you know, if that's... Uh, so then we can, you know, rebel against monasticism and think it's just, a, you know, it's going to institutionalize me. I'm losing my individuality, my freedom, my... My joyousness and my kind of joie de vivre I have you know, I have to just feel depressed and oppressed and suppressed and and uh, suffocated and and depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Now, getting back to the reflective position of observing, you know, if, you know, if one's creating, you know, if one holds this tradition, you know, through, uh, on this level of ignorance, of vicha, and then the the personal reaction to it. So to get out of the avija position, ignorance is the awakeness. And this brings us back to the constantly reiterated, referred to word awareness, (laughs) awakeness. Mm -hmm. In awakeness there's no avija, ignorance in other words, it's as simple as that. So awakeness gives us the ability to reflect, to observe the way it is. You know, we're, we're in this center point of reflecting on, you know, what one is feeling, the, the love-hate feelings arising toward the tradition or members of the community or whatever, whatever is happening. There's an awareness of it. Be aware of, you know, the discontentment one might feel about, you know, the food or the robe or the place you're living in or the medicines that you have, but, uh, the kind of requis- the necessary requisites. You know, if you don't have money and you, you can't, uh, or credit cards or anything like that, then you, you know, you're dependent on good-heartedness from others, from lay community. But this is, you know, is, and this is quite inspiring because it does, you know, the lay community, as the lay community here, the good-heartedness, willingness to come and support the Sangha, cook the food, offer the food, and and uh, try to give us the uh, supporting conditions so that these three months winter 's retreat is is possible for all of us i mean that's uh, nobody you know this is people volunteer to come here and they and it shows a good heartedness and generosity. <clears throat> That is, that comes forth in people, in a society like this, modern society is, uh, you know, we, we tend to, you know, have occasions where we come forth. It makes us feel, we have the experience of joy. It brings a certain joyous quality to our lives to, to support goodness, to offer, to serve. So then we reflect on this, you know, we reflect on, on the, the, let's say, for my life as a Buddhist monk, 40 years now, I've been living on, you know, I've been able to survive and live the holy life due to the generosity, good-heartedness of the lay communities. Well, when I reflect on that, I feel this kind of pity and rapture, very... Moving in a sense of gratitude, because that's very kind of feeling of you know that is kind of wonderful to to uh, to recognize uh, the goodness of the people of of human beings. They're they're wanting me to be a monk. They want me to you want me to be enlightened, don't you? <laughs> and I contemplated this in Thailand and I started reflecting like this whole country wants me to be enlightened. They're willing to support me in every possible way so I can do it. You know, what where can you ever get a whole country behind an individual? <laughs> uh, this is a way of reflecting because you know, Thailand is a Buddhist country, so the people have this, you know, culturally attuned to it. So there is tremendous support and encouragement uh you know for westerners foreigners coming in and and ordaining becoming monks there there's tremendous kind of willingness to to help you in every way well this reflecting on this this brings uh these these important genre factors into one's consciousness the vitakka vitara pittisuka experiences so in in the gratitude when you feel this sense of gratitude and and contentment comes through reflecting not on not through um, thinking about it, but noticing, you know, it's like this. I've been able to live this life, the monastic life, in Thailand, in here in England, because of the goodness of others. It's not just, you know, a heroic gesture of me kind of making things happen for myself. It's, it's a mutual kind of relationship that arouses the best in me, as well as uh, giving the lay people opportunity to participate, you know, and, and support and help and, and learn also from, uh, you know, what, what I've learned when I share my insights with, when asked, when people want to know, What have you been doing all these years, Sumato? <laughs> We've been feeding you for nothing. (laughs) Now, if, if you don't have this contentment and gratitude in the holy life, then it does, one does get you know, there's, there's kind of more inspiring opportunities sometimes occur that are very tempting. As worldly life, you know, now there's, you know, it's uh, there's so many other options available. Be a lay Vipassana teacher and things like this. You know, meditation teacher as a lay person. Things like these are, this is, you know, there's, Nothing wrong with this and this is and this you don't have to keep the brahmacharya. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean the the other you know, if you don't if you can't can't kinda go along with it, then there's other ways. Which, you know, I don't know, I've not done it that way, so I can't, you know, say, you know, from experience. So what what I'm speaking is from the experience, what I can share with you is the experience of my, you know, what I've learned through living, uh, in this way, through the insights and the, using the conventions, the tools that are available in this form. Now, I was not really content as you know, up till my sixth vasa, sixth the years of bhikkhu. Up till then, I had so much will involved in my practice. And you know, very much uh, me and mine, I want my samadhi, I want my time, I want my space. I want this, I want that. And and oftentimes, you know, kind of understanding on the intellectual level, the ideals of monastic life, but not really, it's not really kind of the fruition of the life of living the life didn't really uh, happen until my sixth year where I did suddenly became very much, uh, the big experience for me was the gratitude Katanyu Gataway Tea. So this Katanyu and suddenly I started reflecting on all the goodness of Lungpacha and of the lay community that had supported me and the Upachaya of the Buddha.
1: And I became
0: you know, kind of rapturous with this kind of piti sukha feeling of just, you know. What can I do to repay such a, you know, I've been given everything, seemed like received help, supported every way. And I want to, you know, you feel this sense of wanting to, to do something in return. Now this is like katanyu, uh, kataweti, gratitude. And then the contentment. of feeling content with with you know not always thinking of you know trying to get something better just when you when you are content then your then your mind doesn't tend to isn't involved with trying to get something or change something or get rid of something Now this is a foundation for practice because if you know this and this has to come through reflection, not through commanding it or you're trying to you know make yourself feel these you can't make yourself grateful or content it comes through through the the goodness of you know your own intention your own commitment and the and the uh, goodness that it generates in the society. So then the you know before before I used to do a lot of uh, samatha practice where I you know I could use a lot of willpower to concentrate the mind and so there was, you know, my my monastic life was very willful. And then after the the sixth vasa, then the, it was like the heart opening. Suddenly it moved more into the heart area rather than the head. This katanyu is a heartfelt thing, so that's why it's not an intellectual ideal. Or contentment is heartfelt, coming from the heart level, not... Not some ideal of I should be content with my four requisites and be grateful for the generosity. You know, I should. That's on the intellectual level. The ideal level of how things should be. So it's not wrong. You know, it's not, it's not that it's wrong, but the grasping, grasping of, of ideas, you know, out of ignorance out of avijja is suffering. And this you can just prove to yourself over and over. If you're suffering, it's because you're grasping something. So you can trace, you know, like, stuff if I'm suffering, it's because if I feel discontented, uh, lonely, misunderstood, abused, fed up. And these are states that that I recognize as dukkha. It's, why do I, you know, what is it that I'm grasping that makes this, makes me feel like this? And then I can trace it to wanting something I don't have, not wanting it to be the way it is, clinging to ideals of how things should be. Not wanting myself to feel the way I'm feeling. <clears throat> and uh, on and on like that. You know, It, it just, you trace it to, uh, to the cause, the, the second noble truth. The desire, the ignorance, desire, and the grasping. And so once you trace it to the source, then there's the insight of letting go. Letting go of that, just releasing this intense grasping that is the cause of the dukkha. Now that apply that to everything, you know, even if the, the world abuses you, you know, like being crucified on a cross or, or being tortured in Abu Ghraib prison, or whatever (laughs) you know I'm sure they don't teach this in the military (laughs) sometimes the world is mean and nasty and persecutive and abusive you know certainly not denying that but then with awareness isn't it that the the world is like that sometimes the conditions for for abuse for uh, torture for brutality arise. And I might be you know one who's experiencing the object of this you know as a physical being. And then the reaction personal reaction would be how can you do this to me? This is unfair. I'll never forgive you. But at There's also this awareness. Now personally, I'd feel very angry if I was tortured, you know, I would, (laughs) sure. (laughs) That's personal, that's on a personal level. But the awareness of that, not wanting it to be this way, hating the abusers, this is the dukkha. This is in the, you know, that we're talking about is the first noble truth. So this is like um, learning and before any of this extreme kind of uh, <coughs> misery happens to you, you know, I decided, well, maybe that will never, maybe I'll never have to be crucified in my life. I hope not. Or be you know chained to the wall and, and they stick electric uh, shocks into all my orifices and do terrible things to me. You now maybe maybe that might never happen, <clears throat> but in the nitty gritty of daily life is the real test. You know, the stuff. You know, the the hurt feelings, the the disappointments, the despair, the the uh, resentments, the jealousies uh of the of just living in a community of not getting what my things my own way of having to be with 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 people I don't like don't want to be with or having to be separated from the ones I like, you know so we reflect on this day to kind of remind ourselves to to uh, you know, trust in this awareness to observe you know the human tendencies of just uh, the the monastic life living in you know if we live a rather special high quality life here in England. And even though we're armed mendicants, beggars, you know we. You know, we have. I mean, you really look what how most people have to live modern life. This is a very privileged <laughs> lifestyle. Even though one one doesn't like to think of it in that way, because it doesn't sound. It <laughs> sounds uh, doesn't sound so inspiring that you know we're living on the arms, the, the rags, the throwaways of the society. But people generally, you know, want to. You notice how when people give dinner, they don't come here and just, you know, give you uh, their worst possible food. You know, make a make some kind of terrible stew out of just leftovers and dump it in here. Say, so here's your meal for the day. <sighs> and people come and they want, you know may give their best food. And that inspires them to to want to you know, and food's quite expensive in England. not wanting change to take place, getting stuck with an ideal of what, how things should be. And, uh, you know, that wanting, you know, the having an ideal for a monastery, of how it should be, and then really resenting it, the way it changes. So, I mean, it this is, you know, it's still, you know, I've written through this with uh, Wat Watpa Poem, I felt when I first went there I kind of idealized it and then after a few years it didn't seem, I began to see things I didn't, you know, really like things were happening that I didn't you know, I found quite distressing and uh, so I went to Ajahn Chah and I said, you know, uh, Lung Po Cha, you know, the Wapapol's not like it used to be you know And he said, "But it is the way it is, isn't it?" And that really struck me because, (laughs) you know, here, here, what I was trying to do was to, uh, you know, wind him up. You've got to do something about this, you know. You've got to, you know, like it used to be. That's how I want it, and you, you should. It's your duty to kind of make it, make it like that, and keep it that way. That's what I was implying. And then he had, it's the way it is. There's allowance, you know. We're not trying to, to make things the way we want, but allow the natural process of change to take place. So then the, the challenge of the monastic life is, is coming from reminding oneself, using the, the way things are, reflecting on it to, to really observe the, you know, the suffering that I can create because I don't want it this way or I want, want, want to be somewhere else or I want to, uh, You know, I want I want to I want this, or I don't want that. So then, this this point of vichha or jnana is the simplicity of awareness. It's the totally receptive, non-critical intelligence, and that's why. On this retreat, I keep emphasizing this, to get to know this, to identify it, to recognize it, uh, you know, so that you, you know, you, you, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's not something you, you lack, it's something you don't notice. You keep forgetting about it and getting caught up in your wants, your likes, dislikes, desires, out of a vita. So then to to not come out of ignorance you know how can you do that just on uh, you know trying to to not be ignorant and maybe to memorize the pali scriptures and and think like a pali scripture you know and and recite Pali words and the party line of Theravada Buddhism you know and say everything's in Nietzsche, Dukkanatha and, and all this and say you know recite it over and over it's still you know still coming from Avicca isn't it it's a self view it's still operating and the grasping of convention is still there even though you know that might be better than grasping uh, materialism or things, you know, let's say, you know if you're going to grasp something, grasp the good stuff, the beautiful things. <laughs> but then, then the awareness b- brings out our. Uh, you know, insight into the suffering of even grasping the good stuff is suffering. They're just grasping goodness, truth and beauty as, as ideals. is, You know, they are beautiful, but the grasping of them out of ignorance, out, you know, personal, the personality, uh, the identity, the blind grasping of them is, is, uh, what is that like? And, from my own experience, I see I suffer a lot from grasping ideas from grasping goodness, grasping uh, uh, the ideals of uh, monastic life or of uh, philosophical or high minded values and so then this seeing this grasping is through, not through avidya, but so the only way to get outside of avidya is to awaken. So it's very simple, very direct, precise too. It's not this isn't theoretical. This is reality. And awareness, awareness is our con, is our is is rea- is real. It's not it's not some ideal. It's not something you create. I can't create awareness out of avijja. I can try to be aware out of avijja. You know, by grasping the idea of awareness. <clears throat> I should be more aware and things like this is, is the grasping of the idea of awareness that can be from a vija or not understanding from ignorance. So vijja is the simplicity of awareness where then the, the, the suffering of grasping is recognized. So like this is in the Paticca Samuppada, the dependent origination. Avijja, bhajya, sankara, sankara, bhajya, vinyana. And this, this is a good meditation to contemplate this because, you know, with avijja you always end up with dukkha. Dukkha is a result of avijja. So, you know, you get the avijja, bhajya, sankara, sankara, bhajya, vinyana, vinyana, Nama Rupa, Nama Jya, Salayatana. And it goes, you know, this process. It sounds very complicated, you know, in, in its uh, presentation. And then the result is sokapariteva, Pariteva tomana, grief, sorrow, lamentation, pain, and despair. <laughs> so, this, this avija, you know, this ignorant, then what is? How do? You, how can you? How can you get out of ignorance through awareness? That's the only possibility. Because the more you think about it, I mean, it sounds impossible when you think about it. So it's the. It's the reality awareness is our contact, our return to reality, our true nature is this, and then recognize it then the with the awareness that the other side niroda takes place the cessation of suffering now the the insight in the you know this is why I keep keep emphasizing it's important for you to really Know what sakyaditi is, you know the, the, uh, this uh, personality view, so that there's no doubt left about it. Because if you're going to practice with sakyaditi, then you're practicing with avicca. and and uh, and if you don't. Break through that illusion. See through that illusion. Then you're stuck there. You know, Twenty years, thirty years, forty years of practice. If you haven't broken through that, then you, you know, you feel somehow. You know, you you may be led a good life, but you still you still haven't awakened yet. So one can feel quite disappointed, I imagine, and you know, if if uh you know you could ordain people that's where one thing of becoming a monk. People say, you know, if I become a monk or a nun, are you going to guarantee enlightenment? <laughs> it's a risk, you know. <laughs> it's jumping into the unknown, isn't it? Going forth into into the unknown, it's a risk might not work <laughs> but then you know my attitude was i'm going to use this life to find out <clears> or <throat> take the risk so so then uh, you know the so that is you know been the motivation there's a kind of going forth and then uh, than than the you know I've had with the other ways of living that I'd prefer you know in the early years I'd bring deliberately bring up other options possible abilities that my, I might find more to my liking than this and I really couldn't couldn't come up with anything. <laughs> uh, But then this personality, you know, that so much of my early practice was me, my willfulness, my attachment, my views, the, the ditti, the the sakyatiti, this uh, conceit and self-centeredness was the, you know, and the willfulness. You know, I could will myself. When I was younger, I had a lot of willpower. And so I could, you know, drive myself to do things in order to get something, to practice in order to get samadhi, to sit for hours in order to, you know, thinking I'm really, really getting somewhere if I can sit for long periods of time. You know, really like marathon sitting and, and uh, pushing and forcing. Mm-hmm. So so this was uh you know, it had I did learn that that, that doesn't work. It's just you know, Lung Pochan used to say, Oh Sumerito likes suffering, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He always make fun of you in a nice way. <laughs> so, in this, you know, the most useful way I have found uh, to where we have made it very clear. <clears throat> and I've said this many times before, but I keep emphasizing it because until you really get this point, you know, know, all the efforts you put in and commitments you make in that can lead to despair. Or you get very controlling, become a, you know, control freak meditator. You've always got to have your time alone and you've got to you know, have your you know own space, and you resent any kind of dis, uh distractions and so in uh in Takeediti, like the i really uh, this listening to my to it, although I listen to myself. Now, this I found very effective. I'd bring up everything, you know, my loves and hates to, to absurdity. You know, just by deliberately, intentionally thinking it out, but listening to it. <clears throat> so, to see discontentment, you know, idea of being, I should be content, then, uh, but then the discontentment i feel i don't like this and i don't like the way they do that and you know don't like this i wanted to, you know this this monk this nun this group you know, grumble grumble i and you know views i had you know i had very strong views and and uh, you know fears fears uh, Threat, feeling threatened, feeling jealous, feeling uh, um, you know just fed up with it, unappreciated, unloved. I'd bring it all up and just listen, say it over and over. And I'd be the point is listening. Now this listening then is an awareness that's embracing the melodrama it's like listening to a soap opera. So, you know, I could even, you know, tone it up a bit make it a little melodramatic. And, uh, you know, I could have a bit of fun with it. Taking it to absurdity. Like, I want the whole world... One time I used to, you know, I remember... Uh, when I still lived here at Chithurst, you know, when I woke up in the morning and early morning and it was cold and everything was, you know, but I, and I felt very negative about everything. And so when I get into these grumpy moods, I start thinking, uh, oh, the monks and the nuns are probably all sleeping lazily in their beds and so I got up and I went down stairs to the shrine room in the big house, uh, thinking that nobody'd be there, and they were all sitting there. <laughs> and then the then the internal grump said, "Look at them all sitting there, thinking they're so good." <laughs> So I started the meditation. I remember just bringing it to absurdity, listening to you know the just the grumbling you know complaining, taking it to to total you know i'm you know how I was actually saying, I want all of you you know to to live your life so it never upsets me. you know your duty, if you're going to be here, chitters, your duty is to live here so you don't offend or upset me in any way and i made that very i listened to myself thinking that and that i started laughing and grumpiness disappeared because you know that's that's <laughs> taking it to absurdity you know how can you know how can you make a demand the whole world you know around you just support your moods your so you make you feel good all the time Well, that was deliberately th- thought out and listened to, you know. So it's then the then the examination of that which listens, which is listening to this melodrama. That is, you know, I'm not creating that. That's not language or anything. That's not a self. So it. it more and more, I, the sense of me and mine, i create. My kuti, my practice, my alms bowl, my status in the community. I'm senior to you. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> and just by bringing this into consciousness, listening to it, this sense of the, the kind of sense of self-importance and and the, that I create through through these words. Now, if I just listen, <coughs> then the, then I can create these myself. But I'm listening to it. I'm not. It's not coming from avijja anymore. When the self sukaditi is flowing out of avijja, then it's then you don't know what you're doing. You're just believing the whole melodrama. You're lost in it. It's the world you create. It's the the world you believe in. You're committed to this uh life, which is always taking us to suffering. So if it's a matter of thinking, and, you know, it's not, not a matter, uh, uh, you know, just... You know, mem- holding to memories of m- me and my past, then, then one, can, you know, that, that awareness is like turning a floodlight on it. You can, you start noticing it, not, not in terms of, of thinking about, about it or judging it. That's why taking it to even ultimate absurdity, total selfishness, total self-centeredness, is is not uh, you know is is done intentionally so that the self can be seen in its most kind of stark and absurd way. where sometimes we think, well, I'm not very selfish, you know. I'm you know, I like to share things with others, and and you know we can we can we can create ourselves into being very you know good, kind. Compassionate personalities, because I have that. I can be very personally, you know, I have personal moments where I feel very kind and generous. You know, I'm not just totally self-obsessed on the, on the personal level, the personality changes. i <clears throat> be very sweet, personality, i be very fierce, grumpy. Depressed. Things like this. The personality will change. But to. to, uh, But that which listens to the personality. Is not personality. So this is. Then from this point of attention. Then there's no. Ignorance of each other. There's attention, there's awareness. this is reality, and then the personality <coughs> is put in that context of a object. you see it you're you're listening to it. you know it's like this. being totally self obsessed uh, is like this uh, feeling uh, feeling happy and generous and and is like this. Feeling frightened and threatened like this, and so you know you, the the witnessing of it, the the putto, the Buddha knowing the Dhamma, the way it is, all conditions are impermanent. So get back to that refrain, sape sankarani Cha. Now by ex. Exploring this, you know, quite intentionally, you know, it, it really, uh, you know, over and over again until the, when they say the penny drops suddenly, you know, very, very clear that this is Sakyadity and this is not, awareness is not, I'm fully aware. This is not me, mine. It's not personal. I don't create it. But I recognize it. This is it. This is real. This is a fact. This is not a creation uh, out of, of each other. It's self-sustaining if you trust it. It's recognized. Third noble truth is recognition, realization. So then, these three fetters to stream entry, so is, you know, they, they need to be recognized. They're not just really trying to get rid of them. You know, like trying to. <laughs> That's just more Sakyaditi, trying to get rid of Sakyaditi. <clears throat> just me personally trying to get rid of my personality. This is, it's hopeless. <laughs> or get rid of my ignorance. Me trying to, to get rid of my ignorance. Me trying to, you know, get beyond my cultural conditioning and my me trying to stop the thinking process but in awareness there's no me it is it's empty it's pure it's real it's intelligent very clear so in, in that many people have a lot of confusion in meditation and dullness and states like this. Like the last three uh, Kalesas on the Tinamita, Dutachakukucha, Wichikicha, the Nivaranas. The first two are like, uh, you know, raga or greed and lust and then aversion. They're, they're uh, you know, they're quite obvious. You know, they're, they're more kind of, they're kind of alive, you know, when you're feeling lustful or angry. You feel alive. You know, hating somebody makes you, makes, it makes me feel alive, feeling indignant righteous indignation, you know, makes me feel very alive. I don't feel dull anymore. But then, if you know, if I'm not alive with indignation and aversion and lust and greed, then tinamitsa takes over. (laughs) Dullness. so and you see, you know, you're not you're not the first two, kileyas are, are not are not present. Then you go into this kind of very dull, sleepy, restless, doubting. And they, these are, and then the tendency out of psychedidity is to to suppress them, get force, you know, will yourself out of this dullness may you know push and strive and and on and on like that which makes you incredibly restless and hopeless because you, you know it's trying to to just suppress it out of aversion to it doesn't work so so then the the way you know i found is to Study it. And to bring awareness to the feeling of dullness, restlessness and doubt. Then it's like you're turning on the light to these things that are really not very interesting. Like lust and greed and anger that are interesting.
1: They're
0: interesting (laughs) (laughs) dullness tina mita restlessness and doubt are not interesting you know they they tend to you just want to push them away distract yourself excite yourself in some way find something interesting so then rather than trying to look for something interesting take an interest in them you know, put your attention on to dullness, confusion is like this. You know, so it's like it's coming more from, from, you know, not through willing, willful kind of rejection and resistance, but learning, taking an interest, tina, mita, utachakukucha, wichikicha. They're teaching me, they're the my ajans. I need to know all about these. And who can teach Tina Mita better than Tina Mita? <laughs> you know, I can talk about Tina Mita, but and, and you know, give you all kinds of, <laughs> kind of information about it, but the real teacher is not me. It's that when you're when it when it's present is like this. Dullness is like this. Now in that awareness, you know, you're you're turning the light onto. So you can so you can see like a floodlight and observing it. It it gives space. It's not just focused on on one point. It it puts the whole thing into a context of an object of an aramana so you, you you can see it you know this this dullness confusion observing it is like this so then more and more you your your sense of being the knowing rather than <clears throat> than the than the uh, <coughs> or just the habitual resistance to to unpleasant you know feelings like con- we don't like to be i personally don't like to feel confused or dull personally i like to have i like to have sharpness and and uh, certainty and confusion i detest i don't like to feel confused I like to feel certain about things. I want clear answers to every question, intelligent solutions to every problem. That's what I want from life. So, you know, by that demand, then I've been frustrated a lot personally. uh, you know, it's like wanting everybody in the world to smile at me to make me feel happy. <clears throat> so, so then confusion, then it, or mental dullness, emotional dullness, or restlessness. These kind of dreary, boring, negative states. You know, you take an interest in by willingness to experience them, embrace them, like the sense of embracing, is, you know, the sense of receiving something, not just, you're not just picking out the part you know, you like. Uh, when you're embracing somebody, you're really embracing the whole person, rather than the bits you like about the person. <laughs> In the sense of receiving something totally. And so this uh, this is a welcoming uh willingness to experience uh tinamita or dullness. Confusion. Then it then by by doing this then you you really you're not trying to get rid of it, you know, there can be you can grasp what I'm saying and say, Ajahn Semenya says, if you embrace dullness, it'll go away. <laughs> so you're not being honest, are you? you, you you're, you're getting the idea, but grasping it in order to get rid of something you don't want. So this this is a way of you know, it's letting it be. You know, you're not making any demand that it leave. You should stay forever. <laughs> so welcoming, I found one... Upaya or skillful means that worked for me because uh, I'm the kind I have a lot of resistance to to things I resist and uh, so especially things like that like dullness and and uh, doubt there's so much kind of pushing and resisting and uh, against it that the welcoming was a skillful means to to put into perspective that resistance. So then, when you, when you trust awareness, that is clear all the time because it's clear even when, when you're emotionally confused. You know, it's a clarity that isn't, that is natural. It's not, not like my clarity that depends on me having everything, you know, answers to every question, solution, every problem, cer- certainty in life. It doesn't demand that. You know, that's what, you know, for me to feel kind of at ease, unthreatened, all right and clear, and then I, you know, there's nothing confusing happening around me. And, uh, you know, there's a, a sense of certainty. There's no kind of you know, uncertainties and kind of unpleasant things that are hanging about. So I've got this sense of everybody looks good, everybody's in harmony, the sangha's in harmony, Uh, there's no problems in the sangha, everything's just wonderful, you know? Uh, A world where everybody is what, everything's the way I want it to be. On a personal level, that's how I can feel feel uh, feel this sense of of uh, clarity and safety. But uh, but then that's so easily disrupted. It doesn't take much where well, that ju- that illusion just is shattered, and here you are back in this confusion again, into the the tsunami of life. So then you how to, you know, even though I don't want that, but if I trust in the awareness, then that, that embraces the tsunamis. And as I'm not asking for calm waters as a kind of d- demand I make on, on my life, because I know that that's not the way life is you know, there's always a potential tsunami. So, and so that on a personal level seems rather threatening. We don't like to think like that. But if you if you have this trust in the awareness, recognize, before you can, I can't tell you to trust it. You have to contact, be this awareness. You know, recognize it's like this, it's nothing special. doesn't seem like anything. When you try to d- describe it and all that, you just get, you know, you have to stop thinking almost. And I can describe concentration, mm. things like that, but mindfulness. What exactly is it? You know, and then you. <clears throat> you read, you know, definitions of it and, and, and that, but, but it's still, you, you know, it's not a matter of, of defining it, but recognizing it, because it's, it's not something that you create, something you have already, you don't, you, you know, you, this, this purity of consciousness is never stained. You know, so you you're really um, you know you, you you feel stained when you forget it, and you you get attached to the to the uh, conditioned realm. Life is a dome of coloured glass that stains the white radiance of eternity. <laughs> So being the white radiance of eternity, you know, rather than the dome of many colored glass. Now that's the, that's the, you know, to recognize this, this awareness. And then, then it has perspective on the conditions that it doesn't really stain the white radiance. It just seems that way. Because one becomes these these stains, you know, one identifies, loves and hates and identifies with them. So through this awakenness, you know, you, you are this white radiance of eternity. This is this is real. Or maybe that's too grand a you know maybe that sounds too too far out wide radiance of eternity, but <laughs> you'll be looking for something <laughs> but but recognizing that that this this simplicity uh, is it you know this is it, and from there then you're then your practice is very much one of of living your life and and uh, keep referring to this this you know using this as your reference point trusting it and and then the upheavals the tsunamis that come to you inevitably doesn't get you out of anything but you're not overwhelmed anymore you can You can learn from the vicissitudes, from the changingness of the sankaras rather than be uh, caught into them. So this is the last uh, day of this retreat. And uh, I hope I've been able to uh, encourage you and... and, uh, Port do as best I can and this, this is something to me that is really, you know, the whole essence of being human. You know, you're reaching you know, the ultimate, the, the really important thing of, of fulfillment of humanity. This is not just uh, something you do as a pastime, you know, have a few moments, you meditate kind of thing, but it you know, it's a changing from the very conditioned uh, habit back to the reality of pure being, of awareness, that is, uh, you know, something, and within this human form, we can, you know, it's our, it seems to be the only real, the, the, the beauty of being born as a human being can be only because this is, this is our potential, this is our reality. Otherwise, it all seems a bit absurd being human to me. Bit of a joke, a bad joke most of the time.